In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The gift of faith, true faith that is produced by the Holy Spirit, is a miracle. And it is a miracle that he works through the preaching of the word, through holy baptism, through the word of absolution, through the sacrament of the altar. This faith is miraculous because it is the work of God over and against the weakness and the unbelief of our sinful flesh. This miracle is only recognized by those who have been given such faith and in it have been granted the new man who stands righteous and justified for Christ's sake before the Father. But this is not the sort of miracle that our sinful flesh desires or recognizes. The sinful and death-bound flesh in which each one of us is born does not recognize the miracle of faith given through ordinary things like preaching or water or bread and wine, for indeed it cannot. Your sinful flesh, the old Adam, is bound by the things of the senses, and it is contrary to God. And so, instead of receiving Christ in humility and reverence and in the ways that Christ wishes to be made known to us, our sinful flesh desires to have Christ on its own terms, and it is always putting God to the test. So it was for Peter in today's gospel text. When the disciples who were in the boat battling against the wind and the waves, when they see Jesus walking on the water, they mistake him for a ghost and they fall into a terrible fright. Christ responds with the clear and simple proclamation meant to awaken their faith in their hearts and to put them at peace. He says, be of good cheer, it is I, or even more literally, be of good cheer, I am. What more could the new man in the heart of faith want? In the midst of wind and waves, walks to them the creator of the earth and the sea, the maker of the wind and the waves, demonstrating his mastery over creation by walking atop the water with unmoistened foot. He reveals himself to them with sweet and consoling words meant to dispel their fear by the presence of their Lord and their master. And the heart of faith rejoices at such a sight and such a proclamation. And yet we see in Peter the doubts of the sinful flesh on full display. Peter's flesh will have nothing to do with Christ as he wishes to reveal himself. Rather, his flesh must have Christ on its own terms. It must put Christ to the test. And so instead of crying out with believing Thomas, my Lord and my God, Peter instead responds to Jesus with words more akin to Satan in the wilderness. If you are the Christ, 
if you are the Son of God, if it is you, command me to walk out to you on the water. But unlike the devil, Jesus loves Peter, of course, and desires his salvation. Peter is not an enemy to be destroyed, but is a captive in need of release, a soul in need of conversion. And so our patient Lord actually indulges Peter's flesh for a moment, precisely though in order to, displ to display the folly of Peter's flesh and to awaken true faith in him, true fear, love, and trust in God. And so Jesus says, come. But look what happens as Peter pursues this faith that is wrought by the flesh. Here's what his flesh does. The flesh, as we know, is limited by the senses. And this indeed is the downfall of Peter's faith as his sinful flesh wants it. He gets his miracle of the senses. He walks on water and begins to make his way toward Christ. But the senses, as they are so prone to do, get distracted. His senses see not only Christ, but they also see the wind and the waves. His senses, his eyes, his touch, his ears. They see that the wind and the waves are large and boisterous. And he perceives that he might die. And so what he sees fills him with doubt and fear, and thus he begins to sink. As it turns out, the miracle that Peter demanded of walking on the water actually did nothing to strengthen his true faith in Christ. For the faith that he fashioned for himself was not actually faith in Christ, but it was faith in signs, and wonders and miracles. And that sort of faith will never stand firm in the face of trials and tribulations and every source of doubt. And that is because the sort of faith that is fashioned by the sinful flesh is not true faith at all, at least not the saving faith in Christ that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. The faith formed by the flesh in miracles is actually nothing else than pride, a breaking of the first commandment. I'll believe if is not fear, love, and trust in God above all things. It is fear, love, and trust in self above all things. And so it is bound to fail when the self is in danger. Now this sin, of course, is not unique to Peter. It happens all the time. Anytime we attempt to make a deal with God or bargain with God, if we say things like, I'll believe in God when he grants me a good job or plenty of money, or I'll start going to church if God heals my cancer or my father's cancer, or if Jesus would just give me a miracle I'd never doubt again. All these things are the desires of the sinful flesh to have faith on its own terms and not the true faith as God graciously bestows it. And faith built on these grounds, on the side of miracles, is bound to fail. Maybe God does heal the cancer and praise God for that, but if faith is built on that miracle, 
than what happens when the cancer comes back or when any other trial in this life sets in. The flesh will once again put God to the test and demand a miracle and once again show forth its pride and its doubt. For our flesh will always want a bigger and better miracle. It will never be satisfied. Remember, there was a time when the flip phone was the new and biggest and best thing and flip phones were all the rage, but now they've been consigned to obscurity by newer and better phones. And so it is with our flesh and miracles. If we are to measure faith by such miracles, the flesh will always need something more extravagant, more shocking and more impressive. And so it is nothing else than God's mercy that strips away those things by which our sinful flesh measures faith and God's love toward us. It was merciful that Christ allowed Peter to begin to sink. For until he began to sink, Peter had a faith that was based on sensationalism of walking on the water. And his sinful flesh demanded that miracle because the multiplication of the loaves and fish mere hours earlier only satisfied his flesh for a short time. But once he begins to sink, Peter no longer asks for big and extravagant miracles. Instead, he cries out with the true faith that is granted by the Holy Spirit and he cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. And this is true faith. For here, Peter realizes his true condition that without the aid of Christ, he would be consumed by the sea and he would perish. And of course, when Peter cries out, Lord, save me, this is the sort of miracle that Jesus rejoices to do. He reaches out to Peter in his helpless state. He pulls him out of the water that spelled certain death and brought him back into the boat, the place of safety in the midst of the sea. And furthermore, Jesus even brings Peter to the even more sure footing of the shore. It is in that same mercy that he showed to Peter that our Lord strips away from us those things that tend toward the false faith of the flesh. He takes away those things that the flesh craves and clings to so that we are left with no other course of action than to cry out to God for salvation. Just as with Peter, our Lord is patient with us for a time, perhaps, he grants us those things our flesh craves and those things that we foolishly think are true signs of his favor. He frequently grants us health and earthly riches and reputation. But eventually all those things are taken away from us. Our health fades and riches cannot save us from sickness or death. And as we all know, once famous and respected people are dead and forgotten. But as the Lord takes away those things from us, we are left with a richer and purer faith revealed to us by our Heavenly Father through the work of the Holy Spirit, for it leads us to see our true condition, that left to ourselves we are truly helpless, that we are truly sinful, that we are truly heading toward death, and were it not for the aid of Christ, 
to condemnation. And so when God strips us of these things, it leaves us with no other course of action than to cry out to God, Lord, save me. And it is when we recognize and confess our spiritual poverty that we are immediately made rich, rich by Christ. He reaches out to us with nail-pierced hands and grabs hold of us. He pulls us out of the wind and the waves of our sin and death, and he places us into the boat of his church, where he himself ensures our safety with his own presence. For with Christ in the boat, the wind and the waves must subside. They cannot harm those of us who are in Christ. For here in the boat of the church, Christ does true miracles that produce true faith. These miracles are not apprehended by the flesh, but faith sees them, recognizes them, and rejoices in them. He gives us his word, his word which kills the old Adam of the flesh, and his word that raises up the new man that lives in righteousness and purity before God forever. He pulls the new man out of the waters of baptism and places him into the safety of the boat. He forgives our sins through the words of absolution, and he feeds and strengthens our true faith with his own body and blood. Indeed, this faith is truly miraculous, and it is made sure not by fleshly miracles, but it is made sure by the miracles of Christ's word and Christ's work. It does not trust in earthly grandeur, but it trusts in the work of the cross, work which is foolish in the eyes of the world, but is truly the wisdom and the power of God for salvation. And this faith, this true faith, never wants for more because Christ gives it more than it ever thinks to ask. It is truly content. It will endure even though the trials and tribulations and tumults of life attack. And it will endure until the boat reaches the shore when Christ brings his church with him into the courts of everlasting life, there to live with him forever. Praise be to God for this faith given to you through Christ's true miracles, through his word and his sacraments. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.